0: Happy Thanksgiving! I'm Savannah! I'm Alicia! And this is Burden of Proof, Thanksgiving edition. <laughs> you're yep. two of the Thanksgiving editions! So cool! Whoop, whoop, Um, Yeah.
1: Or should I say, gobble, gobble? <laughs> um, I'll be here all day, folks.
0: <laughs> we hope you're having a very, very great Thanksgiving. We're living on stolen land. <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of those people at Thanksgiving, and I'm like, this—it's a, a great food, but this holiday is so grim.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but I like parades. I really like parades.
1: I, I love, I love the parade. I My family hates it. They <gasps> hate when I make them watch it.
0: Oh, that's it. I'm coming over. We're watching the parade. But I make them watch it.
1: Yeah. I don't care.
0: I've been to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New Shut York. Up. It was amazing.
1: I would have too much anxiety being in that big of a crowd though. Yeah. I'm was, fine watching it. It at was home. so
0: fun. It was freezing.
1: Oh yeah. So New York, cold. New York in the winterish month.
0: Yeah. Very grateful. My my mom and my dad both made sure that I've done lots of really cool stuff like that. I was, I was young, but it was cool.
1: Good job, mom and dad. Yep.
0: My grandma was there too.
1: Good job, grandma.
0: She's dead. Shout out to her. <laughs> Our birthday just passed. Happy birthday, Grandma! <laughs> I miss you.
1: <laughs> this is the unnecessary banter people complain about. Yeah, no. literally.
0: Um. Okay. So I'm just gonna be so real. This case, if you have already eaten your Thanksgiving meal, you may want to wait until that digests because this one is this one is grisly. Okay. I texted Alicia when I was researching for this case. I was like, this just made me actually viscerally nauseous. <laughs> so mm. I will tell you. That we could spend three hours talking about this case easily, and we could be a lot grosser. But this isn't the place for that. You know, Gage and Ray should maybe cover this one if they have a chance, if they haven't already, because they will talk about the gross stuff. The gore. I'm going to touch on it because I do think and it's if important.
1: Hold on. And if you're new here, when we mention Gage and Ray, those are our good friends over at Gore Report.
0: Yes, that's who we're talking about. Go listen to them. I am going to talk about some of the gross stuff because I think it's important to understand the heinousness of the crime. Yes. But not a lot of it because it's nasty.
1: And your girl's got...
0: Oh, and I... Yeah, I've got OCD, so I can't obsess over Savannah's, it too long. I'll, OCD. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll die if I
1: do that, so... <laughs> but we
0: are going to... We're going to get into uh, the guy family Thanksgiving today.
1: Family guy? No, wait. I got yeah. the backwards. Every
0: time you start researching this case, like I like I looked on YouTube for videos of the court, and I, I typed in "Guy Family" and it just was a bunch of Family, family guy, guy stuff. <laughs> I was like, "That's not what I said. That's not what I mean." But you know, so come on, Goo Goo, come on, Goo Goo. That's a Vine reference, right? That was a Vine.
1: I don't know if it was a Vine. Hey, Goo Goo.
0: Just an old woman going
1: Goo Goo. An old, I believe, Italian grandmother. She, I think her accent sounded Italian to me. Hey, Goo Goo. Goo Goo. It was the cutest thing ever. We, I love that. Yeah,
0: we use a Google Drive a lot for the podcast, and Alicia will always text me, the real audio is in the Goo Goo. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding starting to talk about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really gross. Okay, here we go. Lisa and Joel guy... Sr. had a beautiful blended family, which included three daughters from Joel Guy Sr.'s previous marriage, and they had one son together, who is Joel Michael Guy Jr., who they call Joel Michael. They lived in a beautiful two-story home in Tennessee, and they were ready for the next phase of their life. They were both getting ready to retire. Joel Sr. had already declared himself retired from his engineering job, and Lisa was planning her work retirement party for November 28th. She worked in HR at, for another engineering company. Um, Joel Sr. was an engineer previously before he had retired. Some people say he got fired. Some sources say he retired. Either way, the man wasn't working. Okay. He wasn't planning on working. The couple had sold their home and were planning to move into Joel Sr.'s late mother's homestead property about 90 miles away from their current home. So it was a little bit of a, of a drive. <laughs> it was yeah. a trek. But their three daughters all lived in Tennessee. And their son, Joel Michael, lived in an apartment in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. So they were planning Thanksgiving to be a big goodbye celebration because they were going to move, like, that weekend away. Well, not that weekend, but the following weekend Mm -hmm. to their new home. They had sold their property or they were about to sell it. They were in the process of it. They had already bought the other home. Everything was great. This was going to be, like... The last time they were going to all see each other before Christmas. And Christmas was going to be like a reunion at the new place. Okay. Normally, at these events, whenever the whole family would get together, the youngest child, Joel Michael, was kind of a recluse. He spent most of his time in, in his bedroom because he kept a bedroom at his parents' house. Because he lived so far away, And when he would come, he would stay there for a few days at a time, et cetera, right. et cetera.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. hmm
0: And... The The other children didn't really expect him to be super involved. He would kind of come out, make an occasional appearance, eat dinner with them, whatever, and then he'd go back. But this year at Thanksgiving, it was a little different. Joel Michael was very social and talkative. And Lisa Guy was the kind of mom who keeps everything from her kid's childhood organized upstairs and whatever. So she had everything boxed and organized. And Michelle, one of his sisters or half-sisters, would Go on later to say that Joel Michael had gotten all of his toys and his games down and had started giving them to her sons. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: And she thought that was kind of weird. Unfortunately, Michelle's dryer had broken at her house. So when she was like, oh, I have to go over to my mom's, I'll just do my laundry there. That way my kids have clean clothes. <laughs> you know how yeah. it goes. And so she brought everything there. Because of this, she had parked her car closer to the home because she was lugging laundry back and forth. Okay. And when she was taking one of these trips back to her car, she noticed big plastic totes in the back of Michael's, Joel Michael's car, like the plastic storage totes. And like, I guess she probably, that's probably one of those things you didn't notice at the time, but in hindsight, you're like, I saw those in his car, like kind of thing. I'm scared. You should be. Oh God. Yeah. So she went back inside to check on her kids because honestly, she didn't really like that they were interacting so much with Joel Jr., And they were like talking to him and everything. And she also thought it was odd that every time she would walk around the house or go upstairs, Joel Michael was right behind her. She just thought it was odd, but she didn't notice anything else out of the ordinary. Like the security cameras were all in the house. Like there was like not a ton of red flags right away.
1: Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Nothing. When it's family and they're like somebody's being kind of weird. He's always kind of weird. He's a weird guy. He's just being weird from his normal weird. Yeah. But like, you don't, obviously he lived out of state, like you don't spend that much time with him. Like, who knows?
0: Yeah. And like, again, most of these concerns were theoretically really innocent things. Right. Sucks that we're a true crime podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, so obviously we know these are actually weird things, but yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at is.
0: Well, and let's talk a little bit about why they would have been weird to Michelle. So. Oh, okay. Joel Michael Jr. was not as independent as his other
1: siblings. Like, at all. Yeah, I already picked up on that. Yeah. With the whole as-a-bedroom there. Yeah. uh,
0: You know. He was totally dependent on his parents, in fact. Completely. His half-sisters say that he was really smart. He had graduated from a boarding school in Louisiana, the Louisiana School of Math, Science, and the Arts. He had studied a little bit at George Washington University before dropping out there and eventually started studying at LSU, which is Louisiana State. And he had intentions to become a plastic surgeon, but he had actually never graduated from either university. In fact, he had spent nine years at varying schools, never earning a degree. And he never got a job either. At 28 years old, he had never worked a day in his life. His friend through high school and college was his roommate. He was his roommate from boarding school time, like his assigned doormate. And they continued to room together when they both ended up at LSU. Okay. And he said that he felt that Joel Michael's isolation was self-inflicted. It wasn't like he was being outcast. He chose to isolate himself. And he pretty much only had his roommate as a friend. Okay. He said that the only conversations he had about his family were phone calls with his mother. And other than that, he never even knew that Joel Michael had sisters until everything kind of comes out later. Wow. So you would known this guy for a really long time, like 10 years. And living
1: with him. Yeah, and never that knew me. that
0: he had half-sisters. Wow. He did know that his mom was paying his rent, but that's pretty much all he knew. He spent pretty much all his time lounging and living in his Baton Rouge apartment, courtesy of his parents. Lisa's co-workers would say that she worked tirelessly, but would end up handing over most of her check to her son. Now, the elder sisters of the Guy family had talked with their parents and one like and like basically due to their retirement, Joel Michael Sr. or Joel Sr. and Lisa could not continue to pay his way through life.
1: Well, yeah, of course.
0: I mean, and you know, they'd worked hard, they were ready to retire, and it was just time. And so like the older sisters knew that they had a planned to cut him off, and they were planning to do it around like Christmas. Like they were gonna continue to pay for stuff and start like slowly kind of cutting him off and then around christmas time they were going to say that's it you've got to do it your own you know merry
1: christmas
0: i don't think it was going to be on christmas <laughs> but yes like
1: I, i'm just kidding.
0: after christmas time i don't think
1: that's unreasonable you said he was like 28. He's 28 yeah like come on yeah like never had a job have I, you never thought about the fact that your parents are going to age and they're not going to be able to take care of you forever well
0: Joel Michael was very well-versed in his parents' finances, as most financial abusers are. Of course. Whether or not they had told him he knew this was coming. And we find out later that they hadn't told him yet. So rather doing what the normal person would do, which would be to get a job, which, like, again, a normal person would have had a job a long time ago, or, like, at least a semblance of a plan. No plan. He decided to start plotting. He wrote notes of all his parents' asset information, lists of supplies, and plans for cleanup. Yep. Ew. Their Thanksgiving feast went went off without a hitch on November 24th, 2016. On the 25th, Joel Sr. spoke to several of his kids on the phone, telling them all about their travel plans to their new home, talking about his boat, etc., etc. His daughter texted him several times on the 26th, which was a Saturday with no response, and the same thing on the 27th on the Sunday, which she thought was weird because that was her birthday. And for her to not hear from her dad on her birthday, which was was very odd. Yeah. So I'm going to fill in the gaps for you. Lisa had gone grocery shopping, and while she was out, Joel Jr. began. Now, we're never going to really know what happened in the home on November 26, 2016, but we do know the injuries sustained. Joel Michael Sr. suffered 42 sharp force injuries so brutal that 12 marks were left on his ribs, and they ranged from scratches to severing his ribs.
1: Severing his ribs? Yes. Yes. What? Yes.
0: The crap. Multiple ribs. It wasn't just like one accidental, like multiple. Yeah. That's... Oh, he had severe damage to his lungs, kidneys and liver. He had an injury to his shoulder that was so severe that like there was still muscle like weapon fat. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't say it. It's so gross. There were still fragments of the weapon in his shoulder muscle. Oh, yeah. Lisa came back from the store, put her things down and was promptly stabbed 31 times, causing 21 severe life threatening injuries stab wounds to all over her body including her buttocks and severed
1: nine of her ribs you know how angry you have to be yeah it to like continue that mm -hmm. so many times Mm -hmm. that's wow
0: yeah and it just gets worse just wait a sec police were called on november 28th when lisa did not show up to work Not only was it her first day back from Thanksgiving, it was also the day of her retirement party that she'd been very active in helping them plan. Yeah. So, like, why would she not show up? And, like, that, especially police were like, yeah, we're going to go check it out. So they sent officers to conduct a welfare check at the home. When they arrived at the scene, they saw that the back door handle had been removed and they could see inside. And so they could see clearly that there was stuff in the foyer because of the way the house was laid out. They could see Mm -hmm. that there was like grocery bags on the floor in the foyer. They walk around back to the front and there's windows and they can see that there's perishables in these groceries. There's ice cream, there's sausage, there's eggs, there's milk. Yeah. On the floor, just sitting there. The other thing they noticed when they were at the back door was how hot the house was. It was so hot that they could feel it on the walls outside And there was a really weird chemical smell coming from inside the house. Now, mind you, it's late November Tennessee, so it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Um, freezing, but it's cold.
1: I am disturbed. Yeah. I am officially shook.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So when they saw the perishables on the floor, like, clearly had been forgotten about for days at a time at this point they were like okay i think we have enough to try and make entrance to the home now because this is weird especially with the open hole in the back door and whatever so they um went into an unlocked car door and used the garage door opener and the back door was open so they were able to go inside that way it was 90 degrees inside the house and there was a horrible horrible smell A smell that caused physical reactions with the officers who were not newbies. These were veteran officers. And they were
1: very, very, very concerned. Uh, Yeah. Seriously, I know that as I talk, people often are probably like, oh, she sounds so deadpan. And even though I'm saying, (laughs) oh, my God, that's just the way my brain works. When I'm scared, I actually get like quiet. Like I seriously would forget to even talk. I have to constantly consciously remind myself, oh, you're on a podcast, they can't see your facial expressions. (laughs) This is the first case ever that I can hear my heartbeat in my ear, like I'm watching a horror movie. Oh, oh. This is the first time that's happened to me. I find that rather significant. Well, it Good job, family guy. It's just gonna get worse. I'm sorry. I'm sure. Okay. So they
0: start looking again. They come through the garage door and so they see there's two tables kind of in their vision. And the first table had both Joel Senior's and Lisa's wallets on it. And on top was a sledgehammer. There was also another table with long guns sitting on top. And Joel Senior had a lot of guns. This is South, this is Tennessee. He had lots of guns. He was known for having guns, but like they weren't normally just like
1: laying out especially
0: yeah. when they had just had like kids in the house like this you know yeah so that was weird um they see the groceries in the living in you know the foyer kitchen area and they see that like the stove is on there's a pot boiling on the stove there's space heaters
1: oh, in this no. house it's so hot no no ah I don't ever want to hear about a boiling pot on the stove when people have just died. No. So it's really hot in this house. And they
0: also start getting concerned because they hear a dog barking somewhere in the house. And so they're like, okay, so now we have to, A, make sure the dog's not going to bite us. And B, make sure that the dog is safe. So they start kind of looking around um, and they track the sounds to a bedroom, like a locked room. And they get the dog out and he's outside. He's upset and dehydrated, but he's okay. It looked like a black lab. Okay, good. And so then they start kind of looking around more, and it's just it's going to get more intense. So if this has been rough for you, I'm just warning you, it's going to get more intense from here. Mm. Okay, okay. They start going up the stairs to the home, and right when they reach the top of the second of the stairs to the second floor, they find what they assume to be women's clothing has been cut off. Yeah, with a big spot of blood.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and the following chemicals like in bottles next to it sewer line cleaner baking soda liquid fire drain cleaner lye hydrogen peroxide muriatic acid bleach and a bleach sprayer
1: my dude
0: yeah they turn the corner and they go into um like a bedroom slash exercise room and um i watched the body cam footage of this like of them oh, finding no. everything it's blurred luckily okay because when they walk into this exercise room they see hands just hands just hands oh god um surrounded by a huge blood stain that goes like up the wall and around the carpet just hands Ugh. there's like an overturned Bowflex machine in that room as well so there was definitely a struggle Yeah. So when they saw that and they were and one of the officers was like, Are are those hands? And they were like, Yeah, they're hands. And the one who says, Are those hands? He says, Back out, everybody out. We have not cleared this house. We don't know if there's somebody else here. Clear it. And cutting off hands. Cutting off hands. And so they back out the house the same way they came. And then they immediately all like posted up around the corners of the home in case anybody tried to flee. Yeah. So they called for backup, a hazmat team, and a forensics team. They called for backup, and while they waited for them to get there, they did some digging into the family. They found all the children, and they sort of started to canvass the neighborhood to kind of see, like, were there domestic issues? Did he owe money to anybody? Like, what are we dealing with yes. here? Yeah. So the neighbors all say, like, no, but I know they were all here for Thanksgiving because their son was here. And I'm, I remember seeing Joel Michaels Jr. Yeah. And they end up talking to Michelle, who says that she would tell her siblings and she would send them pictures of everybody at Thanksgiving so that they had pictures of everybody and they knew who they were looking for and could track everybody down and that sort of thing. Nice. And that way, if they see them at Thanksgiving, they can officially start to piece together like a bare bones timeline of things. Yeah. So the hazmat team and the forensics team show up because they figured out at this point, by the way, that there were so many chemicals in this house. They were like, this smell is weird. They had to have a hazmat team do the search because it was not safe for humans to be inside.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, when you listed all those off, I thought, how in the world is he breathing in all of those chemicals combined, I'm assuming?
0: Yeah, they were definitely combined. So they continued to search, and uh, this is when they realized that there were space heaters everywhere. They had seen one, but they, like, found multiple ones, which they correctly assumed was there to help speed up the decomposition process. Yes. They continued to search, and they found two plastic storage bins in the bathroom. Inside the bins were the dismembered bodies of both Lisa and Joel Sr. surrounded by a homemade acid formula. (laughs) i'm not done oh god
1: i can't i don't think i can do this (laughs) Uh, it's
0: so gross lisa's body was missing something vital though her head was not with her body other than that her and joel had been dismembered the same way at the joints hands feet yeah uh hips shoulders torsos and one of Joel Sr.'s feet had been cut at the ankle and the rest of them were. And like also his ankle was in the exercise room with his feet. They just didn't see it right away kind of thing.
1: The math's not mathing. Why did you leave their hands and things in another room? It'll we'll talk about
0: why he left.
1: OK. Lisa's head was in the stockpot
0: on the stove. I knew it. Oh, God. It, it, again, boiling in the homemade acid solution. Why? I sorry. I, I just needed to get it out so we don't have to
1: I know, but did it just not fit in the th- like? No, I he just... was
0: trying to like get it to decompose.
1: No, I know, but <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Somewhere nearby that there was a suitcase that had a oh, by the way, that's kind of the we're we're kind of done with the gory. We're gonna move on because I can't.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Well, we I, get the I idea. say that.
0: I say that. We're really not, but like, i just going to get a little bit easier to to, yeah. to move on. They found a suitcase that had a note in it, along with the name of an Ace Hardware store and a notation about getting sewer line cleaner. When they started looking at the workout equipment that I that had been over, I remember me saying there was a Bowflex that had yeah. fallen over. They realized that there were knife marks in it. There were knife marks in the futon. And they, I mean, they were obviously there was blood everywhere. This This crime scene. Like this house.
1: well, Yeah. I
0: mean, it is it is so bad. Um, And it's it was just very widespread and very violent. Ugh. They found two receipts from a Walmart on the 26th, one from noon and one from about three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. One of the receipts included peroxide. They were like, okay, we can work with this. Let's go to Walmart. And so they start, they go to Walmart and they're like, give us your footage. <laughs> give it to us now. Yeah. And at this point, they had gotten the pictures from Michelle to kind of see what they're looking for mm-hmm. at, you know, who went to Walmart, who got peroxide, what are we doing here? Right. Because part of the um body cam footage, the police are outside listening while the hazmat team is reporting back what they're finding or the forensics team is reporting what they're finding. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, there's two bodies in there. Because remember, they are only looking for Lisa.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: obviously, they're concerned about where Joel Sr. is, but they they weren't there for him. They were there to look for Lisa, because she'd right. been the one report. And they were like, crap, there's two. Yeah. And I think if they had, uh, yeah, I'd, if they had really looked at the hands, they were clearly, they were, they were Joel Sr.'s hands. They were man hands. Man hands. So they may not have looked that close. They may have just been like, oh, uh, hands, uh, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know. I would have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: And they, I will say, they did get out pretty quick, which was smart, because they were like, we have to make sure that this is a safe place for us to look. Mm-hmm. So the Walmart footage showed Lisa as she bought the groceries at the noon time slot. Right. Right. And the same groceries that they found at the floor, and the floor, at the house. Yes. They combed through the footage until they found the youngest guy, their son, Joel Michael. He looked to be in pretty rough shape, and he was purchasing peroxide band-aids and other things for wound care. Mm-hmm. They were initially surprised because everyone was under the impression, including his sisters, that he would have already been back home in Baton Rouge. So detectives started making a trip to Louisiana. Simultaneously, they continued to process the home for evidence. And the forensics team made lots of discoveries, but the most damning evidence that they found was all contained in a backpack. Inside this backpack was a manifesto and a notebook filled with Joel Michael's plans to murder his parents along with lists of supplies and their assets. What? Yeah. This notebook also had, like, some of the most graphic crap I've ever read in my life. It was so bad. So here's some of the things on the list
1: of things he needed. (laughs) Did you have comments? (laughs) (laughs) I just... I Okay. Okay. So many questions. This kid went to a boarding school, which generally speaking, I think. I don't know. I've just always been under the impression that boarding schools are really good educations. Well, when he went to LSU,
0: like he was as he's college educated. He and just he's never graduated and he wanted to be a doctor. He would later say that he was a non matriculated grad student, even though he had never gotten an undergrad degree. He was just like, well, I was taking grad level classes, so I was a grad student.
1: Okay, well, that just furthers my point. My point is, how can somebody be so educated and be so stupid at the same time? He
0: did not like he thought he was so smart and thought he had flushed this whole plan out. But at the same time, like there are so many obvious holes in this process here, dude. Like I have notes. We'll talk about it.
1: You know what, though? I'm just gonna chalk it up to you're 28 years old. You like have never had a job, so like you've never had to think about things like, oh, what's gonna happen when mom doesn't show up to her regularly scheduled things? People are gonna come looking for her.
0: Yeah, let's just have a let's have a lesson on cause and effect. Exactly. (laughs) Seriously, some of the things he listed on his like supply list was. Get killing knives, including set for carving and set for piercing. Get sledgehammer, in parentheses, crush bones. Get plastic bins. Does not matter where they are killed. Just get rid of bloody spots to prevent evidence of time of death. Got rid of bodies inside house. There and my DNA already there. This was like the less graphic stuff. I cut out a lot of stuff that I could not physically make myself say. He also had a page dedicated to different disposal plans, including pulling in Adam Strong, flushing things down the toilet, uh, using water from the shower to kind of help make sure it got into the public waterway and couldn't be tracked back here, using sodium hydroxide to destroy soft tissue and to soften bones. Horrible. I, I, like, I, I can't make myself say anymore or I'm going to start convulsing. It's a serious thing.
1: But like he mentions about cleaning up blood and then you had said that there was blood everywhere. Everywhere. Did he not think about the fact that that's you don't stab somebody dozens of times and not have blood go literally everywhere?
0: Well, and this is where I think he kind of devolved a little bit because he really did plan on just like cleaning everything up and just saying they went missing and like whatever. But he didn't really think about the fact that he's going to get hurt. Like, they didn't just go down without a fight. They were fighting. He got pretty seriously hurt. He was worried about losing his thumb. Yeah. So we're going to talk about where he goes, but just in just a minute. Okay. Basically, they were like, okay, well, we can easily pinpoint this to him because there's also a textbook and a syllabus for a class that he is enrolled in in this backpack. Right. And, like, he's at the Walmart. Like, it's obviously him at this point, especially when they find out that he was doing it for money because in that book was a list of his assets and that list includes here's the list for you to see how he wrote mm. it wrote her life insurance five hundred thousand, maybe possibly more with double indemnity with him missing slash dead i get the whole thing all her other assets are joint go to him if missing unknown if he is dead his assets including all joint property if missing I can't read the rest of that. Knoxville House. Homeowner's insurance, possibly, but probably worthless after fire, because I don't know what he was planning on doing with it. But after fire, he wrote. Oh, one hundred thousand dollars. I say that, but, you know, I kind of vaguely remember somebody mentioning something about a house fire previously. So maybe he's talking about a home that they had that had been in a house right. fire. I don't remember that off the top of my head now. Surgeonsville House. Sir Joins filmed. I can't say that. I'm sorry. I should have looked it up. But he wrote appraised at 400,000 plus worthless if Renee on property. I don't know what that means. But he that's the house that they were about to move into. Mm. He wrote his car, his SUV, his boat, his truck. Like he's listing out what he gets, especially with with him missing slash dead. I get the whole thing. So they were like, okay, so that's his motive. And then they find a note that says that he had basically figured out that he would get more money if one of his siblings was dead. And so they're like, we have to find this guy. Yeah. Because clearly he could be after one of his sisters and that's not going to fly. So we have to find him. So that's when they really started to like bust butt to track him back to his apartment in Baton Rouge. Okay. He went there because LSU students get free healthcare at the student center. (laughs) So he drove like nine hours. To Louisiana. To get his
1: hand fixed. To
0: get his injuries fixed. Even though he had bodies decomposing. (laughs) Oh my God. And a plan to like fulfill. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So dumb. Well, I guess dumb, but maybe he was thinking well, if I go and get medical attention in Louisiana. Like, they're not going to think that I.
0: he had to establish
1: that he was in Louisiana. And if he went and got medical care, then there's record. There's definitive record. But he he doesn't
0: think about the fact that he's going to be nine hours away from his crime scene.
1: No, I
0: get it. And like he had tried to set up like automated text from his mom. It didn't really work the way he thought it was going to. And we'll talk. we'll, Well, yeah, there's more. So, okay. He's pretty quickly apprehended as he tries to flee his apartment complex. He tries to get to his car and whatever. They catch him. They charge him pretty immediately with two counts of first-degree murder, felony murder, and abuse of a corpse. They get a search warrant for his apartment, and they find a few interesting tidbits. So, quick trigger warning for animal abuse. Skip about 15 seconds and we'll be done. We'll be through it. They found a similar chemical smell as in the guy home, but they found, like, a five-gallon bucket with a dog bone in it and, like, a chemical mixture. I did not look into where he got the dog bone from. I don't even think it was in the court documents. I don't know if he abused an animal to get it or if he just somehow got his hands on one, maybe through, like, the science program at a school. That's what I've got. Okay. Okay. Hopefully, if you skipped ahead, you're back now. It was way less than 15 seconds, but... Time. Okay. <laughs> well, wait. Okay. Okay. So um, this was obviously done to kind of test out decomposition methods. Mm-hmm. Yes. They also found his laptop, which was a Microsoft Surface Pro, which was running some sort of encrypted software. And once they figured it out, they realized that Joel was running his parents' baking information into the LSU system. He had also prepaid his rent with his mom. He would say that this was the last thing his mom did was to prepay his rent but it was paid through August. It was almost a $9,000 check. <laughs> okay. What was interesting to me about this was that he told this to his longtime roommate and his friends, right? I think he was in jail and he had like called him or talking to him or something. He'd definitely been incarcerated. And he told his roommate, like, I don't know why I did this. I know it's horrible, but the rent is paid. Don't worry. So... I would really like to know his relationship with his friends versus how he felt about his family because he just did a lot of murder to get money, but he had no problem making sure that his finances were paid for his friend so that his friend wasn't going to be screwed financially. But he had no problem taking money from his parents who funded his entire life.
1: That's not super weird to me because. Of what you talked about in the beginning, that he tended to isolate himself except for that roommate. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And he lived with the guy for so long. Obviously, he was all good with this roommate. Yeah, it's definitely
0: just interesting. I will say there are psychologists who have tried to study him on YouTube. I don't watch those videos because you haven't spent any time with this person. Talk about armchair psychology. I'm not saying that they're not right. I'm just saying that I don't feel comfortable reporting that as fact when I don't know. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I, I don't mean, watch other people who haven't spent significant are, time with him. Are they psychologists that are doing
1: yeah, those videos? they tend to be. I mean, you can still kind of, you know, they can make general, general assessments stuff, yeah. based on the facts that they know. But yeah, it's never going to be I
0: just didn't feel comfortable being
1: like, and this is why, like,
0: because we just don't really, we just don't know that much about it. Like,
1: yeah. Oh, no. I'm just saying, I mean, obviously, I still stand by it. I don't think anybody, legal sanity and sanity, sanity are two different things. Yeah, And I don't think that anybody that can do something this horrific is in their right mind, period. But especially when you isolate yourself but like you seem okay with this one person, it, yeah. It, now who knows? You know he had a lifetime of l- growing up with those parents and siblings, and yeah, who and knows this is what a, happened and what yeah. struck what, and is it some big personality disorder that triggered the way he interacted with them and vice versa? Because you know, I can speak from firsthand experience. It's it is difficult have children multiple children where one has a mental health disorder and the others don't have the same disorder i mean mm-hmm. it would be hard with if all of them did yeah but it it creates like the dynamic that you talked about with the siblings and him yeah like creates, isolating them a little yeah it creates a lot of tension between the siblings as well as then yeah there's issues with the parents and It sounds like they were very enabling for him. So
0: Yeah, it's uh, and I think part of it, too, is that it's a really recent crime, and the siblings all have children. Well, not all of them, but most of them have children, and they're not outspoken yet. A lot of times when people are, you know, when you hear about these crimes from the 70s, from the 80s, where we have a bunch more information, it's because people have had time to process and come to terms with and write their books or give us their stories or whatever. We don't have that yet if we yeah. do i didn't see it and i'm sorry <laughs> but normally that kind of stuff pops up so um you know it it's just interesting to me um i will say one psychologist that i saw wasn't really talking about him specifically but it was talking about we tend to think of dismemberment crimes as like superiorly why can't why do i keep saying words that aren't words today <laughs> <laughs> like More heinous than other crimes. Yes. And she said, and that's not, that is true. They are more difficult, but it's also like the killer has a problem and they think of dismemberment as the solution, not of something typically more like, they're not trying to be more horrific nine times out of 10. They're just looking for a solution. And my thing with this one is I'm not saying that that's what happened because you look at how bad the injuries were. Mm Mm-hmm. This wasn't something that he hesitated on.
1: No. You know? Well, I mean, I think I kind of mentioned when you were talking about how many times, how yeah. how many stabbings or stab wounds or mm-hmm. whatever, um, your adrenaline and the mm-hmm. effort and the mindset that you have to be in to keep going with that. Well, and I
0: and I personally think that like part of the reason he probably decided to drive all the way to LSU for medical attention was because he was tired.
1: Yeah. That's
0: hard, and he was not super in shape, so I can't imagine that this was really easy for him. <laughs> like, no, difficult. So you know they they take him to court. He didn't plan on his mom's coworkers calling. He didn't plan on getting injured. He didn't plan much. He just thought he did kind of thing. He pled not guilty, but they had a mostly very quick, really normal four-day trial in 2020. There was something really interesting about it, though, and, you know, he didn't admit to doing it, but there was so much DNA and circumstantial evidence and motive. It was really fast. The, the most interesting part about his trial, to me, though... Was that he did have a defense team, but he sort of started to like he he filed like he wanted to withdraw them from his case so he could represent himself. Which they were like, that's really dumb. He filed a motion on a Tuesday to represent himself. It happened last minute. His trial was the next week. And so the judge was like, we need to set a hearing on this for Wednesday. The Wednesday they go in and they are basically he basically is like, well, um, I really only want to represent myself on something that my attorneys are refusing to do for me. And he was like, okay, you can do that. Like, I'll allow you to represent yourself on one thing as long as you can, like, keep your, I mean, not as long as you, you have the right to represent yourself, but like, please let them continue to do their job. He wanted to try and force the state to execute him if he was convicted. So he was pushing for the death penalty if convicted, even though the prosecution was not. And the judge was like, no, it's. It's the law. The prosecution gets to determine, like, if that's on the table or not. And they're saying no. So nice try. But you don't get to just choose whether or not you die at this point. Sucks. (laughs) Like, you know. Just such a coward. Like. Yeah. He was really quickly convicted on all counts. He got life for the murders and additional time for the abuse of a corpse. He tried to appeal, he tried to have evidence suppressed, and he tried to cause issues with the fact that he was in Tennessee when the crime was committed, but living in Louisiana when they arrested him. But they were like, no. <laughs> like, no. He's currently serving the rest of his time in Northwest Cor- Correctional Complex in Tiptonville, Tennessee. Wow. His sisters had a really powerful witness impact statement or v- victim impact yeah. statements. I think it was Michelle who said, you, you don't understand what it's like to have to tell your kids what happened to grandma and grandpa, and you don't have to tell your kids that grandma's head was in a
1: pot, but I did, and I just cannot imagine. Like, I really hope that she was just saying that for effect in court and that she didn't actually tell her kids this. I
0: think her kids were old enough to like have known. Oh. like to have figured it out on their own or something yeah, which like- is still
1: hor- horrible like even if yeah that's terrible yeah that's terrible it, it i told you this one was rough yeah that's i don't know why that struck me today i mean i i'm not a person that's like yeah make it gory like i'm not that person yeah. but i c- can kind of put a mental wall up a little bit and handle it and Mm -hmm. that was really something yeah I um there's one other thought that I had that I didn't want to interrupt you and now I've lost it the dynamic of mom being the one to like always be in contact always be sending the money and then on his list of assets that he said oh if he's dead too
0: yeah. I get this. He
1: listed all of her stuff first. Yeah. And I was thinking, what about the sisters? But then it dawned on me. Yeah, that happens a lot. Which is fine. That people yeah. leave when, well, And I think know. at
0: some point they had told him that he would get everything or whatever. Or they said something and he took it as. So I don't know. I, it's
1: it, it's hard to tell
0: how much of it is really true and how much he just or how much thought. of it he just thought was true or yeah. is lying about or whatever. Yeah. I also didn't look into the probate of their stuff cuz that just feels too personal. I'm not going to that's that's not my business, yeah, you know what no. I'm saying?
1: Like No, I just found it interesting that like why would he assume that he's going to get Yeah, why would he assume that
0: everything goes to him?
1: But I hate to say it, but having done estate planning, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, well, you know, you know, because you work in probate and you overhear, you know, estate planning people in the Mm -hmm. office talking about distributions and whatnot. And even though it's really not a super difficult concept to get, it can get somewhat confusing, especially if you're someone that just had the n- typical nuclear family, mm-hmm. and like you're you're not used to to dealing with like half siblings and step siblings yeah, and, and all uh, of yeah. that sort of stuff. And I think that's part of why it was kind of easy for me to catch on and and mm-hmm. understand distributions and stuff within estate planning because of the way my crazy family is.
0: Yeah, I come from a really nuclear style family and so sometimes I hear distributions and I'm like, "What?" Yeah. And
1: not for me. <laughs> yeah, so again, I I did not. Anyway, all that's to say that like it's possible that it was set up to where if dad died, you know, Joel senior yeah. died before mom, then everything goes to mom because a lot of couples do that. Mm-hmm. Whoever dies first, everything goes to that the mm-hmm. spot the live spouse. And unfortunately, where families get really kind of screwed up on that is then when you have half siblings, step siblings, etc. Whichever living. the living spouse, then either it's set up like that initially. Or they just know that the living spouse then is going to change their will or their trust so that the stuff goes to their kids. Their kid. It
0: happens all the time.
1: All yes. The time. Yes. And so he may have just been thinking, well, if he's out of the picture first, and now where he went wrong is thinking, well, if they died at the same time, <laughs> like you killed yeah. them at the same time, they no. go missing at the same time. That opens doors for all kinds of interpretation. So it totally depends on how the document's written. It totally yeah. depends on whatever. And ultimately, as so many family killers don't think about, is that in most, if not all states, you get nothing if you kill them. <laughs> yeah,
0: you don't get anything, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah and also for him his plan to work where like oh well he died she died I get and when he died she got all his stuff and so then when she dies I get all of her stuff first of all you destroyed time of death we only know that he died first because of like forensic evidence yeah and most of the time and correct me if I'm wrong you have to predecease your spouse by like 30 days or like 25 days or something like that for that to really go into effect right
1: it depends on how it's written okay I think state by state attorney by attorney, they have different, different d- there's stuff. different recommendations. Um, but usually there is some sort of language in there kind of settling it yeah as, as if like if you were to die because you know, it happens couples like die in an accident mm-hmm. and they die they're dead upon arrival of first responders, but they don't really know who died first exactly. So there there is always a clause in there yeah typically to cover that sort of thing but ultimately none of that matters because if you kill them you, yeah, you get, didn't get nothing anything anyway
0: And also like what did he think uh I just don't understand what he thought was going to happen like I don't understand what he thought was going to happen when they both just went missing. Did you really think they were just
1: going to both go missing? I really think that because he secluded himself from other people and didn't have people in his life except for that one roommate. Mm-hmm. I really think that he didn't think about the fact that people are going to notice, notice. That yeah, that they're missing. Like they have places that they go and people that they see that are going to go something's not right yeah, here. Yeah, true, that's true. And also on another note, like it, it, he killed them in their house. So
0: he like there's no way you're ever going to get rid of every piece of evidence in carpet in their home. Yeah. It's just it just it's clearly and what I don't understand is that he apparently had not that I could see any like there it, this just was out of nowhere and it's so violent. Yeah. That's I don't know. There's this case. It I have a lot of unanswered questions. Yes. Same. So maybe one day we'll get answers, but for now, this is what we have. I mean, there's more because I couldn't possibly fit everything in. But.
1: Oh well, yeah, but so, we'll link the your sources. Yes, in sources the show notes. are so... in the doobly doo,
0: and um, the appeals are are in there, and that's where a ton of their appeals is like 63 pages or something. It's ridiculously long, so.
1: Yeah, but if somebody wants to deep
0: dive, that's a good place to start. Yep. I, there were a lot of really good articles on this case, too, I will say. Normally, like, each article will have, like, one thing that I want out of it, and I'll have, like, nine <laughs> to kind yeah. of piece it together, and then one main source. This one, there was a great Crime Wire. There was a great Oxygen article. There was a great, like, there's a bunch of really good ones, and they're all listed below, so. Sounds good. We what- made it to this episode. You definitely didn't make it all the way through to this part, but if you did, <laughs> leave us a little turkey emoji because it's Thanksgiving.
1: And we hope you had and a good we one. We love you for sticking in there. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy
0: Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to sleep well tonight, but we will see you next week. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.